What do you want to be when you grow up? Is a question we regularly ask young people. But we may not realize it is a very uniquely modern question. So most human beings for most of history didn't ask that question to young people because young people would end up doing what their parents did. If your dad was a fisherman, you'd be a fisherman. If you were female, you most likely got married very young, had many children, and your life was focused on domestic duties. But we live now in a society in which there are a wide range of possibilities on how we can live our lives. And in some ways, this choice is good. But in other ways, we can be overwhelmed by the choices and also deeply influenced by forces and by voices who do not care a bit about what is best for us. But what if I told you in going about making important decisions in your life that there was someone who loved you more than you love yourself, who knew you better than you knew yourself, who was far wiser than you, and who even knew the future. Wouldn't it be great to have this person's help in making the most important decisions in your life? The readings today are about God's call. Young Samuel is called by God to become a prophet and a judge, to help Israel transition from a collection of tribes to a kingdom. He's advisor to the first king, Saul, and he anoints David as the second king of Israel. In the gospel, two disciples of John the Baptist begin to follow Jesus. One is Andrew, and the other, unnamed, is likely John the Evangelist. And Andrew brings his brother Simon to Jesus. This is the beginning of their call to be disciples and apostles of Jesus Christ and to be the pillars of the worldwide kingdom of God. Now, perhaps God only calls a few certain people and he leaves the rest of us to figure out for ourselves what to do. Certainly Samuel's call was unusual. We are told that during the time young Samuel was ministered to the Lord under Eli, the word of the Lord was scarce and vision infrequent. However, in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit comes upon the church, the apostles interpret that as a fulfillment of what the prophet Joel saw. He saw a time in which all the people of God receive the Spirit of the Lord and hear the Lord. So this is really something that is meant for all of us. This guidance of God, God speaking to us directly in the circumstances of our lives. And I do think God speaks, but I think that we don't listen well. So I want to talk about how we can listen better to God's call in our life. And the first thing is to have the right disposition. Okay, so to be open to the call, uh, normally you need to already be responding to what you know that God has revealed to all of us, right? God's commandments, teachings of the church, the practices of discipleship. We see Samuel is living in the temple and he is uh, already praying and serving the Lord when he gets this special call. We see that those, those two disciples are already 
listening to John the Baptist, who is the greatest of the prophets, and they are already trying to conform their lives with the will of God. It is much more difficult for God to guide those who are already rejecting what he has told them. And the second aspect of a good disposition is detachment from things. You remember there was a rich man who went to Jesus and asked what he must do to gain eternal life. And the rich man turns out is keeping all of God's commandments. But when Jesus asks him to sell his, his belongings, to give to the poor and to follow him, the rich man turns away sad because of his disordered attachment to his wealth. And so too it is with us. If we have disordered attachments, often we will be resistant to the call of God. Right? Because often when God calls us, he calls us to do things that involve risk and sacrifice. So let's say you are properly disposed and you do get a sense that God is speaking to you, sometimes about small things and sometimes about big things. How do you know if it's really God and not your subconscious or not the enemy spirit? In our rich Catholic tradition, there are many rules of discernment that we can use. St. Ignatius of Loyola in particular has, has bequeathed the church with great rules of discernment. But I want to talk to you today about some rules of discernment that come from a priest who lived in our time. He's deceased now. His name is Father Mike Scanlon. He was a Franciscan priest who became the president of Steubenville University and ended up renewing that university. Uh, a brilliant man and a man of deep prayer and wisdom. And many years ago, he wrote a book called What Does God Want? And the book is out of print now, but in the book, he talks about the five C's that are the part of the test for an inspiration. The five C's are conformity, conversion, consistency, confirmation, and conviction. Okay? So first of all, uh, does it conform to God's revealed will? You know, so if I, if I feel you know, this great passion to want to help the poor, and I say, you know what? I know what I'll do. Uh, I will rob banks and give the money to the poor, right? That's not coming from God. You know? uh, if, I'm, if you're married and uh, you're like, I want to be a missionary in the remotest part of the Amazon jungle and leave my wife and kids to go do that, that is not God's will for you because God has already revealed to you right, certain things and he's not going to contradict himself. So it has to, number one, conform with what God has already revealed. Secondly, um, Conversion is, is, is what, you're, uh, what you believe God has communicated to you. Will it lead you to grow in holiness? Or will it involve uh, unnecessary occasions of sin? Many of you may know uh, St. Thomas More was uh, an advisor to King Henry VIII and uh, a great saint as a layman. He was married, he had kids, he was involved in the affairs of the world. But when he was younger... He was discerning whether he was called to religious life. He lived in a Cartesian monastery for a while. And he discerned that for him, that God was not calling him to a life of celibacy, that in fact, if he tried to live that life, he probably would fall into even greater sin. And so he ends up getting married. Actually, he has a great, uh, uh, great marriage in the beginning. Uh, his first marriage it was, was one truly of love and romance. And uh, they had several children, but his wife died when she was young. And he discerned to remarry, but this time more to someone who would be a partner and to kind of help him raise his, his young children. And for Thomas More, it's very clear that that path for him 
of marriage and children and living in the world was for him the maximum holiness that he was supposed to achieve in this life. And he would not have, been, he would not have lived a holy life as a religious. Uh, my own discernment as a priest, one of the things I noticed um, was, was when I would get involved in a church activity and people would ask me to lead it, that that's when I was most motivated to grow in holiness myself. Right? I was, for somehow, it wasn't sufficient motivation for my own salvation or glory, or even, you know, it was more like, well, if others need this, I really have to step up my game, right? And, uh, and so if that really fits into this, this life now that God has led me to, which is a life uh, as a servant leader here in the parish. So thirdly, is it consistent with the pattern in which God has been speaking to you in the past? So this is to do with uh, when you've come to live this life of prayer, you will, over time, you will, there will be a pattern in which, in a way in which, in time and places and manner in which God speaks to you specifically. He's a very good father and he speaks to his children in individual ways. And when you begin to realize, for example, how that works, and yes, I had this inspiration in this way and then I acted on it and it turned out that it was God's will as I look back on it. You know, so for example, um, I, know, I know someone who, uh, who quite often hears God speak to him while he's on long runs. You know, he runs seven, eight miles. Uh, I know someone who every year has, goes on a five-day silent retreat and gets, gets a lot of guidance from God during that annual retreat. So for others, it may be in spiritual reading or in certain forms of prayer. Right? So the that third C is, um, is it consistent with that pattern in which God speaks to you? Fourth is confirmation. So who or what confirms it? Here, the counsel of others is very important. Samuel didn't realize even God was speaking to him, but Eli guided him and helped him to understand that's what was happening. Those two disciples were pointed in Jesus' direction by John the Baptist. Even mystics to whom Jesus and the Blessed Virgin Mary speak directly uh, are told to get spiritual directors by Jesus. So think of St. Faustina. St. Faustina uh, received a lot of messages from Jesus, but he still told her to have a spiritual director to help her make her decisions. So that's one way of confirmation is from another person, but also could be uh, in circumstances, through signs, and through experiencing the fruits of the Holy Spirit. For me, many times I'm praying and an idea comes to me, and uh, before I talk about it to anyone, uh, within a day or two, two or three people will say the same thing that I was hearing in prayer. And for me, that's one of the ways that God confirms that he is the one speaking. Fifthly is Conviction. This is the heart saying, yes, this is the way. And does this conviction perdure over time? Uh, so that's just it's kind of a harder thing to even put into words, but this deep conviction of the heart. And when you have that, I think it's still good to offer to God in prayer in this way. God, I believe this is what you're asking me to do. If it is not your will, please show me. So I was strongly convicted that God wanted me to enter the seminary, but I also told God, if you don't want me to be a priest, just have them kick me out, right? 
So, and I would, I would, I would have been happy either way, right? Um, so often, uh, our approach to God is, "Listen up, Lord, your servant is speaking." Okay, which okay, God does want us to ask for things, but, but even more important and even better, let us say with Samuel, "Speak, Lord, your servant is listening." 